Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 24 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsor, Bill for Time. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Hey, Tom, I got to say that our discussion last episode of your use of the social media platform Foursquare (laughs) really got me thinking about social media privacy. In my new ABA Journal Tech column about the basics of protecting yourself on Facebook just came out this week, and it's generated a lot of positive response. Might these topics be on our agenda today? I think they will be, Dennis. In today's episode, we will tackle the issue of privacy and security in uh, social media activities and how lawyers can protect themselves and also their clients. In our second segment, we're going to have another installment of things we've been talking about. And as usual, we will end with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can begin to use the second this podcast ends. But on to our main topic, social media and privacy. The terms seem to be oxymorons, really, social media media and uh, privacy. The very nature of social media implies that people are going to be giving up some level of privacy by providing information about themselves when they are engaged in online activities. But for lawyers, it's important that we be aware not just of our own privacy and security, but also uh, that of our clients' interests. Dennis, it was Google uh, that set off the privacy debate for us over the past couple of weeks. What did they do that was so controversial and why are we talking about this in this episode? Well, Google came up with a new social media platform called Google Buzz, um, which generated a lot of buzz, not surprisingly. But they, uh, it was one of those things that they worked on in-house and tried among themselves. As, as they say in the computer business, they ate their own dog food and, and really worked with it, liked the idea, rolled it out to people. All of a sudden, it just kind of appeared in your Gmail. So, it's a social media platform integrated into your Gmail. And, uh, and they, they tried to, to deal with one of the trickiest issues out there in social media, which is when you go to a new platform, it takes a while to sign up and, and add new followers and, and do some other things. So you don't get consistency in the different platforms. So it's not easy to follow, you know, have the same friends you have in Facebook, the same followers in Twitter, that sort of thing. So when Google decided that they would make it easy by automatically uh, adding the people you email the most as followers on on Google Buzz to kind of get things off to a to a start, make things easier, help you avoid that little sign up and adding friends at the at the beginning. Um, great idea in theory. Un- unfortunately, the default was that it also showed those people who uh, you followed and who were following you, and. Google learned really quickly that in some cases, and one in particular, somebody's abusive ex-husband showed up on uh, as a follower who could see other followers, which included the new boyfriend. And there were other examples like that. And so there was a lot of backtracking and corrections that were and adjustments that were made by Google. And it just brought a new, a real new emphasis and attention on privacy in the social media spaces. 
You know what I think? One of Google's, you know, uh, modus operandi, one of the ways that they deal with things is that they like to roll out uh, new tools that require very little configuration or customization by the user. They don't want the user to have to spend a lot of time. They want it to be easy to use and easy to start using immediately. And that was the thinking with Google Buzz, because by making those people that you contact the most your followers and having you follow them, they were making it easy on you. What was interesting was that they had they, you know, they're usually so very careful about rolling things out, and they leave the beta signal, uh, beta signification on uh, different tools that they have for long periods of time. They didn't do it with Google Buzz. They tested it in-house with who I would argue are a, a group of people who are already prone to uh, wanting to be more social, and they all know each other. So, of course, they're all going to follow each other internally, and they just assumed that it would be the same when they rolled it out externally. One one concern that I have had is that, the, and thankfully Google has addressed this, is that uh, is that for people like lawyers and doctors who use the Gmail address to communicate with clients, you were seeing uh, the potential for client names to be exposed to other uh, people who were following or being followed uh, in Google Buzz. So lawyers and doctors had a huge outcry about this, including those who were. Uh, uh, Abusive ex-husbands, and uh, I believe that there's some room to complain for people who are cheating on the sly. That they're that the people they're having affairs with would be exposed to. You know, thankfully, Google has been extremely responsive to the complaints and the criticism, and uh, they have worked very carefully to do some revamping, uh, making it easy to to hide your contacts or to even disable Buzz altogether. I know we're going to talk about Buzz a little bit more in this in the in this uh, episode, but uh, that. that really leads to the question for me is uh, how how big a deal should we make of these privacy issues i i thought that lawyers and really anybody who was involved with social media would automatically be using common sense uh when they use these tools but uh maybe the problem is not so much with our common sense but just keeping vigilant with what these tools are rolling out to us dennis yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of change in the world of social media. And and also, I mean, frankly, the social media platforms are trying to monetize. And wh- how they monetize what they have is all this information they have about you and what it reveals about you and, and your connections. And so it's in their interest to be able to make more use of that and to expose more of that information. And... And so with Facebook, they changed the default settings that were in a way that was more favorable to them than you. And and a lot of times you have to do something affirmatively and keep on top of these things affirmatively. And also the Google Buzz thing really uh, brought to light something that you would think would be common sense, but but it's not because people don't think about this because usually it's a friend telling you, hey, you should be on Facebook, you should do this, you should do that, um, and you jump in. But the people you friend in Facebook might be a lot different than who you would like to be connect shown as connected to on LinkedIn might be different than the people you, uh, you email on a regular basis might be different than somebody else you connect with in another social media platform and might be different than the people you follow or would like to have follow you on Twitter. And so I think this is brought to attention that there, there are different gradations. And so if you look at what they call the social graph, which is sort of the map of all our social connections, as we move the social graph from the real world 
into the internet world, um, there are some similarities and there are some differences. And and I think common sense uh, is, to the extent there is some, is sort of evolving to address that. So you do have, if you think about it, in the real world, you have friends that you allow certain access to you, you do certain things with, you give uh, certain information. Same thing happens on the internet. And so... Um, I think there's a lot of that out there, and it's usually described, I think, Tom, in the world of Facebook as uh, the friending the boss problem. Well, and I, and I think that our overlying theme here, the overarching theme that we're going to talk about, it, to me, comes down to that of control. Uh, a lot of these sites, you know, Google Buzz, when they rolled it out, they took a lot of control away from you by giving you who they thought you should be following and who should be following you. And, you know, we have the, the founders of Facebook and of Google making numerous comments about how privacy is dead, get over it. And we, we have to make sure that that whatever it is that uh, that these services are doing, while they provide a lot of benefit to us, uh, don't uh, pr- pr- force us to relinquish the control that we need to exercise over not only our own privacy, but any privacy that we might want to have with our clients, with our boss, with anybody that, uh, that we're dealing with on social media. But let's get into um, some specific tips, some things that we can do and we can talk to uh, uh, our users about for using Twitter or Facebook or, or LinkedIn and, 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 and be more secure and keep your privacy intact. Dennis, g- give us a couple of tips up front. Well, I, I think that uh, one we've talked about in the past is I really think there is this notion of claiming your name, claiming your brand, uh, so that you have consistency across different platforms. So I'm always Dennis Kennedy, one word. Tom, I know you've kind of moved from T-Mile to Tom-Mile, but I think you want to, people are going to see that consistency and that that will help you to establish kind of a, a a an identity out there that's consistent that's going to help you in a number of ways to protect yourself I, in my article, the first and foremost thing that I mentioned is using strong passwords. People are really lazy about passwords on social media sites. And the fact is, if somebody breaks into your account, they can do a lot of damage uh, by impersonating you, by defacing your, you know, your Facebook page, doing all sorts of sorts of things. And so one of my key pieces of advice is you got to go to the strong passwords, combination of letters, numbers, and symbols, as we've talked about before. But if I were going to do anything at the end of of this podcast, I would go to my social media sites um, and change the password uh, and just change it on a a regular basis. So I think passwords are are a a huge thing because the the danger to you is potentially great if somebody breaks into the account. And then I think the other thing, Tom, which I'll, I'll let you go into some depth on, is when you set up the account, realize that there are settings that you need to to deal with and that if you don't deal with them directly, there are default settings that probably are not the ones that you want. No, you're absolutely right. And and if you go and look at your Facebook account, your LinkedIn account, even Twitter, there will be specific areas in there that uh, allow you to control the amount of information that you provide to people, as well as to control who gets to see.
see what information. I had lunch the other day with somebody who who wasn't a lawyer, who's not on LinkedIn or Facebook, and they were suffering from what I think is a is a misperception of people who aren't using social media, which is that I don't want to be out there for everybody to see. I don't want to show them everything. And once I explained that you could control that, that you could specify who gets to see what, they were much more predisposed towards trying that sort of thing out. And I think that for those of you who are already using social media, being aware that uh, that there are limits and that there are levels of, uh, of disclosure that you can provide on the internet is important. So head over to LinkedIn and look under the privacy settings. They allow you to, to show, um, you know, you can just have your first name and your last initial if you don't want to disclose your full name to people. You can disclose um, different parts of your profile. If you want to keep those private, you can. You can um, limit the people who can see your contacts within LinkedIn. Uh, in, in Facebook, uh, when I know we'll talk about this maybe in a little bit more detail, uh, you can not only limit what types of things different people see, but you can also create different groups so that different uh, friends that you have on Facebook see different parts of your profile. If you choose to use Facebook for more than just friends or family purposes, um, you know, you get to control uh, the, the privacy settings, I guess, for, for, for Twitter. Let me get back and say real quick about Twitter is uh, Twitter is by default a no privacy type uh, type tool. You can create a private feed, but really nobody gets to see what you say. So what's the point of creating a private feed on Twitter? The danger of Twitter is something that came up that's that's related to our last podcast. We talked about uh, using Foursquare and. And in the interim, since we mentioned that on the podcast, uh, a, a company came up with a, a service called Please Rob Me, which uh, ba- basically did a search for everyone checking in on Foursquare when it was broadcast on Twitter and 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 pointing out very clearly that these are people who aren't home. And this makes it very simple for the right person to do a search on Twitter and find out who's not home and go and take advantage of, a, of an empty house. Now, I don't broadcast my uh, whereabouts on Twitter because I know that it can be broadcast to the public. But these are the types of things that we need to think about. Um, you know, are, are there any issues, Dennis, other issues with Facebook that uh, we might be thinking about applications or or any other problems with Facebook? Yeah, I, I, but I also wanted to touch on the the please rob me phenomenon, which, which I think is a great way to to see the potential dangers and the way that you can overreact on some of this stuff. Because with the privacy settings and the stuff you're doing, you're striking a balance because you need to exchange for this stuff to be valuable to you. You need to share some information and, and some access. And so people got really upset about please rob me and the way it was being used until and then people will point out, yeah, but People basically know you're at work every day, so you're not home during the day. So, you know, what's what's all that different? It was just it was, it was kind of scary and and it takes it up a notch. But it, it kind of, you know, where we talk about common sense is kind of think about what people also know. Um, and I want to touch on Twitter because there's a point I really want to make on this podcast, I think is a really fundamental misassumption that, that people make about Twitter. And that's, I think. Many, many people believe that what you post on Twitter is seen only by your followers. And that's not the case because on, on if you go to Twitter, Twitter search, you can see all kinds of stuff. And 
I think there are a lot of people, uh, you know, there's the drunk phenomenon. Clearly, the stuff people say during sporting events and other things is unbelievable if they knew and they would be stunned if they knew that was available to the Twitter community at, at large and anybody uh, doing any searching. So, one of the things is I think you need to understand what these tools do, what the audience is and such. And then, yeah, let's move to Facebook because I think the Facebook apps thing is maybe the biggest concern of all. I agree. And when I first when I first looked at the Facebook apps, and there are Twitter apps as well and some other apps. But typically you're going like, hey, this seems like a cool, a cool thing. And I know Tom, you've told a great story before about the the movie, the movie app that you did and what it right. you know what potentially. Well that was tells Facebook. You, that but- was Facebook Beacon. That beacon caused that, which uh, was a whole different set of privacy nightmare for Facebook. Oh, so that that is sort of got thrust upon you as opposed to the apps you kind of you kind of turn on yourself because typically you go like, hey, here's a cool app that will say like what books I read or you know what I bought at the store or whatever. And and the first thing it says is what's your Twitter username and your Twitter password. And at that point I go, whoa, no way, I'm not going to do that. Um, and but typically you're doing that, and so you're kind of handing over the keys to Facebook in a way. And then those applications are sending out, you know, like Tom talks about Foursquare, but there are a number of applications that will send stuff through Twitter. They'll, they'll you know post on other people's pages, send out updates automatically about what song you're listening to, that sort of thing, and uh, and also there 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 have been incidents of malware and 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 other problems with these apps so the area apps is something to be very cautious about and there are also uh account settings in Facebook where you can you can uh control some of the things that that the apps can do or what apps can be installed and and when you talk about malware uh, this is slightly related to it which is is that even though you could uh, become the victim of a virus or malware for installing these applications you also need to be uh, on the lookout for phishing type of activity and and that was demonstrated very clearly just this week uh, i and i fell victim to it i actually didn't fall co- a, a complete victim to it but but i i, I my ego fell for it uh, there was a series of uh, of of tweets that went around on Twitter where people who you were following or who were following you sent you a direct message that asked, is this you? Ha ha ha, is this you? And then there was a click to a link. Um, by the time I got to it and I clicked on the link, it said it was not a good, a valid URL. So that's where it ended with me. But uh, some other people went to, uh, were presented with what they thought was a Twitter login page and they gave up their username and their password and they then became the victims of getting their Twitter accounts hijacked. So even when you think that someone uh, you know is sending you a message, you cannot be positive of that. So uh, I guess the lesson is to just be aware of uh, of the links that you're uh, that you're clicking on. If you get taken somehow to a login page, don't. Just resist the temptation and don't put your login information there just in case you're going to be taken somewhere that you didn't intend. Instead, if you really want to check it out, navigate to the page yourself. Go log in on a separate tab of your browser and log in in a different place and then see if whatever your friend or whoever is sending you is legitimate. 
Yeah, these are all variations in a way of the old I love you email virus. Exactly. You know? I mean, it's just sort of updated because you're relying on, I mean, as Tom says, it's somebody you know who's sending you this the, this link for you to click on. And it's the short link, you know, because you use the link shortener in Twitter. So you don't even know what it is underneath it. And although there's some plugins that you can use in your browser that I use where I can expand those out and see what the actual underlying link is. So it's we've kind of we're moving to a new level of of common sense and then I also look at the price so you want to decide where you're comfortable in terms of your privacy, the Facebook groups thing is great because then, like you said, if, uh, like we were saying, if, if your boss, um, has friended you, then you can put your boss into a work group or the boss group where they can only see certain things. They might not be able to see pictures that you post or things like that. Um, you can divide people into these different groups with different settings and expose different parts of you, uh, at least in the cyberspace sense, different parts of you to, to them. So the uh, you know, so you do have a lot of control out there. And so, sort of two thoughts I, I want to end with, Tom, are that um, this is a process and it's a moving target because the social media companies are making changes uh, a lot of time, and they're making assumptions that typically are not the same assumptions that you would make. So you need to go into those privacy settings. I would go into them today and take a, a look at them. I mean, I did this thing on Facebook where I thought I was updating something and, and I saw that privacy settings had changed and I had to go through and check each each one individually. And the second thing is, I think you got to understand the platforms that you're using. So when when I was thinking about Facebook and deciding I was going to use it more than, than, than I currently do... I went out and I just got the newest version, which is pretty new, of Facebook for Dummies, and I read it. And I paid special attention to the privacy settings. And it's probably the best 20 bucks that you're going to spend if you're in, involved in Facebook. Because if you do s stupid stuff on there and you don't protect yourself on Facebook and these, these platforms, you can cause yourself a world of damage. No, I completely agree with that. And that's really my, my best uh, advice for uh, ending up this topic is just be vigilant. You know, go check out your settings right now. Check them out on a regular basis to see if they've changed. Usually when one of these services rolls out some new service or even rolls out a new privacy policy, because Facebook does that from time to time, even without new services being rolled out, they will let you know, hey, we have a new privacy policy. Let us know what you think. Um, when they do that, go and check your settings then too, because there may have been subtle changes made that you don't know about and that they're not going to necessarily tell you about because they they want everything to be out there in the open. They want all of your information available for them and their and their advertisers to be able to data mine. Let's be careful out there, folks. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, Bill for Time. Bill for Time tracks, organizes, and invoices your billable time online. It's accessible, customizable, and mobile. Qualities you need when you're in and out of the office. All Legal Talk Network listeners get a total of 60 days free for the light or professional version. Go to billfortime.com slash legal talk and type in legal talk as the promo code to take advantage of this special offer. That's bill, the number four, time.com slash legal talk and use legal talk as the promo code. Are you interested in sponsoring programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960. 
And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Uh, although we do take audience questions from time to time and invite you to submit questions, uh, this week we're going to do another installment of our little What Dennis and Tom Have Been Talking About This Week segment. And our topic is is Google Buzz, not so much the privacy issues we just talked about, but how what our reactions are to it, how you use it, and whether we see it's worthwhile or not. Tom, I just have to say that I'm totally confused by Buzz. And so I'm looking at my Gmail account. I see this thing that says Buzz, a little icon for it. It has an 18 by it. I click on that. I go into this page. The 18 disappears. I can't tell whether there's anything new. There's nothing that relates to the 18. It says 17 more people have started following me. They look exactly the same as as the people who were following me this morning. I'm not really sure what to make of Buzz at this point, and and I'm also I'm confused by how, after we've been doing all this talk over the last few months about Google Wave, what Buzz does to Wave and what the difference is. So are you having a better experience than I am? I can't say I'm having a better experience, but I think that I'm willing to give Buzz a little bit more time to get its act together. I, I think that there's been a lot of confusion over what Buzz actually is. Is it is it Facebook? I don't think it is Facebook. I don't think it's designed to compete with Facebook. It's not Twitter, although it can certainly be used like Twitter because you can update your status all the time. I think it's closer to the, another tool we've talked about here on this podcast, and that's FriendFeed. It's a place where you can aggregate um, content that not only you are sending out in vari- from various sites, but that the people that you follow are sending out from various sites. And I think that the problem that Google's suffering fr- from right now is that it's just not well-developed yet. Yeah, I had the same problem with you. I would see the number of new items, but the minute that I went to the page, that number disappeared. And it wasn't until I started digging in to learn that there's a little yellow line on the side of all new, blo- all, all new posts from Buzz that if you followed them down the list, all the new ones had a little bit of yellow on the margin on the on the left side. Uh, but that wasn't something that was automatic and, and apparent to me. You know, also when people make comments to the post on Buzz, they automatically float back up to the top. And so things that you thought hadn't been discussed in a while suddenly are showing up at the top of your list and you can't figure out what's uh, what, what's going on. What isn't a, a question or what at least seems to be clear is the potential that that Buzz has to to become uh, sort of an in Google niche for communications. Uh, you know, just a couple of days after Buzz was introduced, they reported that sharing items from Google Reader increased 35%. So people are already sharing a lot more information. And really, that's the name of the game. Facebook has become one of the leaders on the internet in shared links, and Google wants to get a piece of that. Uh, I don't personally view this as uh, a competitor to, to uh, Google Wave. I see them as very different tools. I think that Wave may at one point have been something that we th- would have thought uh, Buzz to be, but now I'm looking at Wave as more of a collaboration tool, more of a tool to have discrete projects or discrete issues or documents that you work on that you're not using and going back to on a regular basis that you have set up just for specific projects or specific items that you want to handle. I think they fall in two different places. I will say that I don't think that Wave has really caught on. I think it's kind of died after the initial uh, buzz, if you will, from it. I, I don't think that it's the same uh, the, 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 the same importance as it has been. I'm, I'm looking for that to improve, but I don't see those tools as being 
the same. Yeah, and Wave to me feels like another one of the Google things that's been announced with big fanfare and just gets abandoned. And it just seems like with Wave, it happened really quickly. Um, you know, Buzz just feels more beta than anything that I've seen from Google. I mean, I, I agree. It has potential. I mean, I understand that. But I mean, I'm just looking at this screen. It says Dennis Kennedy, 26 followers. And then, then it says 17 more people have started following you. And then it says show 11 more. And I'm going, okay, 17 plus 11 has never equaled 26 in my life. So I don't know what to make of the interface even. So um, let's just call it um, a very, very early beta, interesting potential, but we're, but I'm wary because of the, frankly, the wave debacle, because my, my wave account is as dead as a doornail. And now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. I have two parting shots for you today. The first came about um, through the whole Google Buzz uh, kerfuffle that came up over the past couple of weeks. And I was listening to either either This Week in Google or This Week in Tech, and they mentioned a site that I wasn't previously aware of through Google called Google Moderator. Google Moderator was being used by Google to take um, input and feedback on Google Buzz and, and probably complaints as well. And I went and checked it out, and it's a very interesting way for people to set up um, surveys, for people to give ideas, to give feedback, to ask questions um, in a very... Um, a very limited way. You can set something up for a particular event and have people contribute. You can have it be more ongoing, and you're able to both have people log into the page and uh, and give their feedback, and then you're able to monitor that and create reports and and look at the different types of responses that you get. So a very interesting tool that I'm just getting to to learn about from Google. The other uh, parting shot that I'd like is that if you are not going to be at ABA Tech Show, you should think about being there because Dennis and I will be there. We'll actually be recording. Uh, the Kennedy Mall Report live from ABA Tech Show. Uh, it promises to be another fantastic legal technology conference, um, one of my favorite of the year. And so if you uh, are interested in attending, head over to techshow.com. Hey, Tom, you know, on the parting shots, we uh, always say that one tip, et cetera. And it seems like you're always sneaking two in. So I'm going to sneak two in myself. And so for Kindle users, one of the things that kept me away from being on the Kindle for a while is I really wanted to use the, the Kindle to read uh, PDFs, especially PDFs I've downloaded from the internet. Um, and what it's it's easier to do that now in the the Kindle, but I found this new free program called the Moby Pocket Creator, which allows you to take PDFs and other formats and convert them into a Kindle ready format and dump them right onto your Kindle, and it's it's just fantastic. It it allows me to do the thing I really want to do with the Kindle in in taking you know long PDF articles, uh, you know PDFs of some size that we want to read and just dump them onto the Kindle. The other thing I found recently is is uh, there's a great life hacker uh, survey where they they tried to find out what people's favorite start page on your browser is. Typically, people have some default page when you open up your browser. And it wasn't a winner, but I really like this one called uh, Fave4, which is www.fave4.org. And what it does is it allows you to pick 
sort of four commonly used places that you would go, say Amazon, Google, uh, sort of the big ones, and it puts like a nice big icon. So it has four icons on that, that startup page in your browser, and it will be, you know, typically the four things that you would would go to when you open up a browser, like a Gmail or a Amazon, something like that. And it's just very uncluttered, a little colorful. It's just a nice way to start up your, your browser. Tom, we want to wrap it up? Yep, that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on our show notes wiki, which is located at tkmreport.com. We're also on Twitter at tkmreport. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Meyer Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. And we want you to smartly set your podcast settings to subscribe to the Kennedy Meyer Report. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Meyer Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.